You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Welcome to the Coaching Inn. Uh, I'm your host, Claire Pedrick, and this week I'm in conversation with two of 3D Coaching's marvellous mentors, uh, Ruth Bennett and Zoe Dickinson. Ruth and Zoe, hello. Hi. Nice to be here. Yes. So let's just hear about your coaching journeys and then we'll we're going to think about today, aren't we, um, what we're learning from mental coaching groups um, about where coaches are strong and where they can develop. So, Ruth, tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, my journey was kind of from youth work and working with youth workers and HR learning and development through to coaching and having great conversations with people and probably about I don't know eight nine years ago now I kind of came into the formal world of coaching and I just loved it and particularly seeing people develop in their skills and their kind of um uh, seeing their development and light bulbs going on because they can do something a bit more simply so I really love that side of things Fabulous. Thank you. Zoe, hello. Hello. Um, I spent a large part of my life and career working for a relief and development charity. Um, and that's where I first met Claire and 3D Coaching. So I was in that uh, charity working and 3D came in and run a What's Now Transforming Conversations. And I was thinking about what next. And I was like, wow, this is just, yeah, it was a pivotal moment for me, a turning point of just making space for people to think and have great conversations. And from then on, went on, retrained and um, was self-employed for a number of years before joining the 3D team. Um, and yeah, love, you know, being part of that journey with other coaches. So experienced it and now get to to accompany others on that. And, um, and it's exciting. Yeah. And you didn't learn Stokers, did you, Zoe? Because you were in the room on the day it was created. I did not. So <laughs> in the moment, it didn't exist. No, no. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I have got, I can't remember his name. I have got, I did manage to get in touch with him. Adrian. Oh, Hawthorne? Adrian? Yes. Adrian Hawthorne said, I need a word to be able to do the practice that you've just told me to do. There we go. I've never known who it was. I knew it, it began. It was Adrian Hawthorne, and 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 then it was born. And then the next week, I took it out, and somebody said, "That's the name of the person on the back of a tandem. That's amazing." And and that's what unlocked all of this even more simplicity in the way that we do what we do. Thanks to him, and thanks to somebody else the following week in Wales. Mm-hmm. Isn't it lovely how things just kind of emerge and happen sometimes and kind yeah. of a combination of different people yeah and you know we say don't we that the people we work with are our best teachers but actually that's a really good example yeah because you could sit you could sit trying to come up with a framework for, forever mm-hmm. and ever and not come up with something sensible or come up with something that's a bit convoluted yeah but on that day he only said that word because that happened to be the random order in which I'd asked the questions or or the random order in which the group had said it and that they were randomly on the flip chart. But the thing that was most extraordinary about the whole process was 
that on that day, the time question was second. Mm. It wasn't always, it wasn't always, but, but then, so I, I used, I used to write the questions in the, so I'd do the coaching demo and then I'd say, so what were the questions I used to frame the conversation? And people won't always say it in the order you said it. So I just randomly write them on the flip chart. And I'm not sure I used to ask the time question first. I think I used to say, we've got 15 minutes. What would you like to think about? But on that day, it said, what would you like to think about? And then the second question was, so in this 15 minutes. And then when it became a word, everybody did it in that order. And then I couldn't understand for ages why they were doing so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think it is better to have that time second? Because because you're actually saying which bit of it. Because if so, if I say, uh, what do you want to think about? And you say world peace. Yeah. So, So if I say we've got 15 minutes, what do you want to think about? And you say world peace. I go inside. I go. That's very big. (laughs) whereas if I say what do you want to think about and you say world peace and I just normally say so in the 15 minutes we have the automatic sentence completes with which bit of world peace do you want to think about and suddenly that's where the right sizing begins beginning to narrow it isn't it so nobody think Claire Pedrick came up with stokers Adrian Hawthorne came up with stokers and somebody else came up with the word right sizing I was just listening (laughs) <laughs> I love that but but that begins to talk about flow doesn't it because because actually the the whole of that stokers thing the question for me is how do I how do I ask those questions so I don't sound like a machine gun and how does it have a flow that makes it sound like a normal conversation and not something weird that I'm doing to somebody else mm. Mm. Something about it feeling natural for them and for us, isn't there? Yeah. And there's a difference between who it feels, how it is received and how it is felt, isn't it? Because often when people start asking questions that are not necessarily in their own words, they feel really awkward about it and it feels really clunky. That comes up a lot, doesn't it? With people saying, I can't say that, it's not my words. And people listening to it go, oh, that felt really weird. But the person on the receiving end is almost always made no difference to me. Or actually, they go, that was amazing because it really helped me get to the point. Yeah. It was really useful. Like, yeah. well, that's yeah. what, what it's all about. I think that's my biggest learning as a mentor is that people hate asking them. <laughs> and yet they love receiving them. Yeah. Well, the, what was coming up for me as you were speaking, Ruth, is that it's so important it's the reminder that it's really important to sit in both seats. You know, it's it's not something you just do to someone until you sat in that thinking space. You suddenly have that aha moment of this is I haven't noticed particularly what you said exactly, but it's helping me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're new to listening to the coaching in and you're going, what are they talking about? I'll put a link in the show notes. But basically, these are the questions that we ask at the beginning of a conversation so that we're absolutely clear what are we doing today how are we going to do it and how are we going to know we've done it and our little acronym for those questions is stokers because that's once upon a time that was the letters that began the questions but i think we have changed them a bit since then so so zoe and ruth and me 
when we're listening to recordings, what do we notice works well in that beginning bit? And what are we noticing makes a, that people struggle with more? I think that, I think people, hmm, what am I saying? Asking that initial question, what do you want to think about? Feels like that, that becomes quite natural for people. They quite like that as a starting point that, you know, okay, great. This is over to you kind of thing that starting in that way, asking that question feels like quite a natural question to ask and even actually asking time people find relatively easy I think at that moment in the conversation so those first two questions feel like they flow quite well for a lot of people in the recordings I listen to anyway what do you think Zoe? I would agree the start feels the easy the easy in I I think you know asking what you want to think about or what's your question feel very comfortable I think it's when you get to the middle to the end the last few questions yeah. where I've, I've noticed it on my journey and for those you know we're listening to that's where it feels particularly the role question um I think people sometimes get stuck with yeah, yeah and I think often people abandon after yes. the time question yes so in the time we've got which bit of that do you want to think about and the thinker starts talking and then the coach dives into the stuff that's coming up but the thing is that we don't know where we're heading. Mm. So I had a conversation with Perinelle, who's, um, for listeners, she's one of our mentors who you may well have met. Um, and Perinelle says that one of the things that she notices is weakest in most coaching recordings is the end. And we had a conversation this morning, actually, about it. And we were talking about the fact that the end is weak when the beginning is weak, because mm. the end begins at the beginning. So unless we say, what would you like to be different by the end of this conversation, which is the outcome question. So that's the O in Stokers. Unless we ask that, we aren't, we haven't agreed together what direction we're going in. But I just want to give a a free pass to everybody. It honestly doesn't matter if the person that we're talking to doesn't know the answer to any of these. And absolutely, we have to not make them answer them but we do still have to ask them. So if I say, what would you like to be different by the end of this conversation? And they say, I don't know. That doesn't matter. Then I'll ask the no question. How will you know that we've moved this forward a bit? Mm. It's about putting the power in the right place, isn't it? Yeah. About This is not about me and about what I'm going to tell you we're going to do. This is about us doing something together and it's it's all going to come from you yeah. and also being okay with that relaxed you know so if they don't know the answer or if they're not sure yet that there's not that inner panic of it's that presence you know in the ICF com- competencies isn't it of yeah there's an ease about this no one's freaking out if no one knows the answer we're just having a conversation yeah. and yeah and and I think that that how will you know is the most important question in the whole of that beginning bit, apart from which bit. And what's oft, what often happens with people is they maybe, maybe ask the outcome question 
and they assume the rest well they've said what what is going to be different so yeah of course that's how they'll know and then and then they start whereas actually it misses a big bit because the no question tends to kind of go deeper internally doesn't it Mm -hmm. kind of brings this thing into me and I think most coaches know that what we end up doing isn't what we agreed to do Mm. yeah and that's fine but the thing that's really interesting is I don't think the how will you know changes so if you say to somebody how will you know we've moved this forward which is my preferred way of asking it so the books and the website are always behind the learning aren't they? <laughs> but how how will you know we've moved this forward a bit that really takes the pressure off because of course we don't need to find a fully formed solution but they'll go I'll feel a bit less sick. And 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 the no question for me is the one that is easiest to check in on. Because mm. then I can say five minutes later, how sick are you feeling now? And they'll go almost always, they go, oh, I'm feeling, actually, actually I'm feeling a load less sick. Now they really can see and feel and experience that they've moved forward. And now the rest of the conversation becomes much more fluid and easy and fluent. And I don't know about this, when we ask the no question, that's often where that's the longest pause, as in they're going, hmm. Whereas, not always, but up until that point, it's like, I want to talk about this, and and there's this, oh, no no one's asked me that. I I don't know how I'll know. And and as we often say, when there's the pause, that's when there's the new thinking. And Absolutely. And I think we need to soften the questions. So how will you know we've moved this forward a bit? is received in a completely different way from a question that has a version of how will you know that we've formed a fully formed solution? Yeah. At which point they go, I've come for coaching because I haven't got a solution. Now you've told me we've got to know we've got a fully formed solution and I don't know that we're going to get there. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that phrase, forward a bit. Mm. That's really nice. I, I might start trying it like that, I think. Uh, can I just tell you, a bit is my absolutely top most favourite coaching phrase ever. Just, it just makes everything easier. Which bit of that? It's human, isn't it? Yes. Very yeah. human and normal. Yeah. It's like stuff. You just don't have to find complicated words for things. So, so sometimes you'll say to somebody, "What would you like to be different by the end of this conversation?" And they go, "World peace," or whatever their version is of that. At which point you go, "Oh no!" And then you go, "How will you know we've got world peace?" At which point, everybody's panicking. (laughs) So how will you know we've moved that forward a bit? It's just so much lighter. It's more relaxed, as you were saying. There's just an ease about it. You know, it's like we can all breathe. We've only got to move forward a bit. Like you said, we've not got to have a flute. We're not going to wrap it up with a bow by the end of this. And I think that sometimes, I think certainly in newer coaches, it's like we've got to fix this in whatever time we've got. Whereas... If we've only got to move it forward a bit, then we could all just chill out a bit. Yeah. And that makes me think, Zoe, of something that um, observing recordings, I think I see quite a lot, is that kind of anxiety to to yeah. do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And coming back to your point, Claire, is... I think that's what makes it sometimes rushed 
Do you mean it's like I've got to ask my questions and we've got to know the answers? And I think it that anxiety creates that rushing of just because yeah. once we've done those, surely I'll know what I'm doing. And you know, when you're relaxed, when you ask, there's yeah, it makes a difference to the pace but, of the whole conversation. But sometimes the work is happening in the right sizing, and sometimes the right sizing will take 20 minutes. Yeah. But I think the art is this isn't about me getting completely clear in my mind that I know what you want to do. It's actually about us getting clear about what's going to help you to move forward on this. And often the right sizing questions begin to to move the thing forward. But I think one of the things that makes it more normal and makes it sound less like a machine gun is to, is to find a way of not asking the questions in isolation so I'm, I imagine when you're listening to, a, to to recordings of beginner coaches and growing coaches, you'll find that they know that they need to ask the question. So the thinker will say something, the coach will pause, and then they'll ask the next right-sizing question. So mm-hmm. they'll say, I want to think about all these things. And then the coach will pause and they'll go, so in the 15 minutes we have, which bit of that do you want to think about? But actually... This is a conversation. <laughs> we need to make some kind of connection with what they've just said. Otherwise, it feels like we're not listening. So so that might be, ah, so there's a lot of stuff there. Which bit of that would you like us to think about in this 15 minutes? Or, ah, so something about strategy and something about joy. Which bit of that would you like us to think about in the, in this 15 minutes? Just making some kind of of sound that Mm. connects what we're saying with what they're saying stops us sounding like a bot or artificial intelligence that's just throwing out the next question. Mm. It's more Mm. of a conversation then rather than I'm doing something to you and I'm just going to keep spitting questions at you. And that that doesn't feel helpful, does it? I think one of the most helpful things someone said to me very early on, I, I don't know what training it was, and so I said, it might the right sizing, what the stokers might take the you know nearly all of the session, but if you have helped them clarify their question, you know they could get an insight in the last five minutes. So don't don't feel it's like you've got to get it done and then we'll do the real work. Actually, the the work can sometimes be just getting really clear on the question and yeah, because if I'm overwhelmed with something and by the end of the session I understand what the thing is then I can find the answer much more easily or find the next thing Mm. one of the things that makes one of the things that I notice sometimes people say is they'll say what question would you like us to answer today because it says question I hear that a lot in recordings so instead of saying what's your question which if you haven't read simplifying coaching lovely listeners gets people thinking and moving forward much more easily than what's your problem or what's your issue. But you say, what's your question? But they feel as though they need to make it their own. And in making it their own, they say, so what's your question that you'd like us to answer today? And that gets us into the world of fully formed solutions. And then that can make the rest of the conversation a bit more tricky. Ruth, you... Yeah, just say, say that again. What's the phrase that you prefer? What's the question you'd like to think about today? What's the question you'd like to think about today instead of? 
what's the question you'd like to answer today let's answer ah okay so it's think about not answer Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. and I, I love what is your question and it's sometimes you know I've, I think I've seen you Ruth once check in with and our questions like you know you're, you're part way through and our question because we go back in you know think it might go back into the whole you know world of what they were bringing and I think it just brings them and it's another one where I think there's a pause afterwards you know so I know what I want to think about but what's my question about it oh no it's another oh no one's asked me that um it, it really sharpens it, I think, that one. I love those pauses. Yes. Because they, they show us, don't they, that the thinker's starting to think, and if that's the only thing that's happening, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zoe, you said something about the hating of the role question. <laughs> <laughs> Name the elephant, will you, please? Well, just in my experience being on as a coach and mentoring people, it's the one people find hardest to answer. And and so there's that fear of I'm going to ask, they're not going to answer. Oh, bad. That's when it just gets awkward and it looks like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so for, I know something I found helpful is just finding different language of that, seeing other coaches in different stages, just find the way of, you know, I heard someone say, I think it was Perinel, you know, how how can I get the best out of your heart and mind today? You know, and I thought that's a lovely way of, adapt, you know, but and it's her, her brilliant self, but it's just different ways of saying, how can I help you in your thinking or but it's. I think it's an important one, but it's the easiest to skip because we don't want an awkwardness. That's so interesting because I absolutely love that. And that's I. How can I help you? And Mm -hmm. actually, so it says role because that's what I used to ask. And that's where Stokers came from. But now there's no R in anything I ever say. So what do you say? Yeah, how do you say it now? I, I say, what's the best way for us to do this? Oh, so that's like us, isn't it? Yeah. Us. So that's us. And 99 times out of 100, they say, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say to everybody is it doesn't matter. But what you've said is, what's the best way for us to do this? Because that's for us to decide not for me to decide. Mm. So what you're doing is you're planting the seed that this is a different kind of conversation because almost, I would think probably no other professional in a dyadic one-to-one conversation is going to be that ignorant. (laughs) What's the best way for us to do this? They want to go, I don't know. That's why I'm paying you. But actually what we're saying is, what's the best way for us to do this? Let's work it out. But And then they go, I don't know. And I'll then immediately go, that's fine. So where should we start? I think I've heard quite a lot of recordings in mentor sessions where there's been an assumption that we need to have the answer to that before we can move on. Mm-hmm. And then it gets really awkward, embarrassing, uncomfortable, difficult, and stopping. Mm-hmm. So so for me, the whole of the right-sizing process, the, all of those questions are about getting the person in flow and getting a bit of a sense of where we're heading probably, although we might change our minds on the way. <laughs> yeah. So it's about movement more than it is about specific answers. 
there's a lovely theme to what we're saying about just being light about everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think in mentoring, and again, having received mentoring, I think one of my biggest takeaways was just relax. And and it, I think it just sets the tone for the conversation. And that's important that if we are relaxed as we ask those questions, it, it helps them ease and relax into a conversation. Yeah. I think one of the things I noticed is that those, that the stokers questions or the right sizing piece tends to be a lot generally not all the time a lot pacier than the rest of the conversation there's a there's a sense of momentum through that and then we kind of go into the the the, the, the slightly different pace of the rest of the conversation i don't know if that's just me but that it it feels like it's a bit more there's a bit more energy there and then we go okay now we know right space i just gonna say yeah yeah Yeah. uh dorothy strachan and other people this is this is often allocated to different people say that there are three phases in a conversation what so what now what yeah Mm. so what we're describing is the right sizing is the what bit isn't it what are we doing and then the so what is where you're describing ruth the slowing down yeah and I, one of the things I'm playing with is the sound of the beginning, the middle and the end, because I think that the, you described there the pace. Yes. And the pace is going to be different yeah. in the beginning, the middle and the end. And also the tone probably is going to be different. And one of the arts of artful coaching, I think, is making that, is, is being more clear about the different sound and pace of the beginning, the middle and the end. Because one of the reasons we don't end well is that we stay with the middle pace mm. right up to one minute to the end. And then yeah. we go, oh, we've run out of time. Oh, dear. Never mind. <laughs> Back. When you say sound, what do you mean? Can you be a bit more explicit? So um, if I use the question, so, I like that question. I probably overlike it. I probably need therapy about how much I like that question. So in the middle, if I use it as a sense-making question, I might go so, because that's got an exploring sound to it. Okay. Whereas in the end phase, in the now what, which is the kind of action phase of the conversation, I say to you, um, what insights have you had? and you go, actually, I really need to do this thing, then I might go, so? So my so will sound different. Okay. So it'll be shorter and probably higher in tone yeah. because it's evoking action, whereas in the middle it's evoking exploration. So how we use noises, I need to write that down because I don't think I knew that before. But how? <laughs> well, I did, but not quite as clearly as that. Um, how we use noises to evoke exploration and evoke action are different. That's really interesting. Yes, isn't it? No, I haven't. We would talk about tone quite a bit in mentoring, but that's, yeah. Hmm. It is in chapter 10 of the new book, but actually I was much more articulate in the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And I've now written it down. Excellent. 
in the book. In the, I was going to say in the book, literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you should see it. Nobody, nobody will want to buy the book when they see how many corrections I've got in my copy. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Say it like this. Hmm. And that must be true for the whole conversation then. There's different different tone, different sounds in different parts. And it's probably really important that we don't see that as a formula. Completely. Like because it's yes. normal and natural and in the moment. But I've learned it because, of course, I think we do our best learning from listening to other people's recordings. Mm. I've learned it particularly from the mmm sound is that you'll hear... Can I just say it's a really privileged place to listen to a recording because oh. you can do all the learning and none of the work. <laughs> <laughs> but the coach will say, the coach will come to the recording and say something was a bit weird about this recording. And often what will happen is that the, is that the thinker will have had an in, a really massive insight in the middle. Mm-hmm. When they're deep in exploring and the thinker will have had an insight and the coach responds, hmm. And neither the thinker nor the coach nail the insight. And then they'll keep getting lost. And then 15 minutes later, they'll come back to the same insight that we actually heard on the recording they had 15 minutes ago. And the reason for that is that the coach is using an exploring sound to respond to the insight rather than going, ah, so so the thinker will say, um, oh, it's so difficult and it's really hard and I'm very stuck with this and it's been stuck for a long time. But actually, I wonder whether it's something to do with with how I begin every day. And maybe actually that's what it is. It's about how I begin every day. And the coach goes, mm, as in keep talking. And then the thinker goes, yeah, because it's been going on for all, every day of my life. It's been like this and it's really been awful. And now I'm going to get myself stuck. Whereas if the coach was really listening, there was an insight there. But if you respond to an insight with, hmm, the person will keep exploring. Whereas if they go, oh, yeah, I think maybe that was a bit, you know, maybe I, maybe I do understand that a bit. Ah, that says, look at what you just said. Something just happened there. And if you watch the music of conversations, you can often see that that's where the loop happens and 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 it and they get stuck and sometimes they unstuck themselves and sometimes they don't. I'm I'm really glad you said that because I I've heard you say ah quite a lot in conversations and I've sometimes thought is that a is that a helpful interjection right now? And now I'm hearing you talk about it, I can hear it differently. It's it, it's kind of like a, a bit of punctuation that is... It is. Kind of like an asterisk, isn't it? I'm like, just notice that bit there. Yeah, um, and I had such a big insight, which I need to write in my book because I haven't written it down. I had such a big insight when I was working with somebody the other day because they said, isn't it leading... And it isn't. I think that was my feeling a little bit. So go on, speak about that. Yeah, say more. I'm just writing it down, just one moment. <laughs> go away. 
it isn't leading because I am making the noise after I wonder whether they've had the insight. So I'm not going, ah, oh, you're about to have an insight. <laughs> I'm going, ah, oh, was that an insight? Which feels like reflecting back as opposed to yes, leading. Yes, it is. It is. Because you might not have noticed you've had an insight, but if I say, ah, oh, that for me, that's another way of saying it with just that. So maybe it is you're saying, have you just had an insight there almost? Oh, yeah. But if you say that, then they've lost it. Yeah, I, I realise that. But that's kind of what you're saying by saying, ah. Yeah. It's very short. Yeah. yeah. And, and it often doesn't have any impact. But on the time, because a lot of what we do is useless. Hmm. It does, a lot of what we do and offer doesn't have any impact. But actually, when it has an impact, it has a massive impact. So you go, ah, and they go, ah, oh, yeah. yes. We are in a completely new territory. Mm. So, I mean, I have longer versions of that, like, was that an insight? <laughs> yeah. Or what do you know now that you didn't know before? But the longer the thing we say is, the further it distances them from what they just said. So I would always start short, but the, but the thing that I learned last week, so thank you for asking, because saying it again helps cement it, is that is that ethically those noises need to follow them and not lead them. Why not lead like that? I really want to play with that now. So well, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> ah, <laughs> watch out! Yeah, I might need to Anyone? practice that a little bit before. <laughs> bit less scary <laughs> if you want to be coached by zoe or ruth watch out because they're going to use these noises with you <laughs> sounds slightly like crows as we do it <laughs> i do recommend them as thinking partners and now you get a new value for money noise <laughs> so yeah but if and for me that's one of the things that i'm playing with in people who are aspiring to be mccs is is really and you know, your your people can do this as well, is to watch the recording, see who's leading, who's following. Because mm. the coach needs to be following all the time, just behind. Yeah. But I mean, in all that we're saying, one of the things that's coming up for me, and I just wish someone had drilled this into me earlier on in my journey, was the value of listening back to yourself and watching yourself. You know, I remember so clearly the moment I first watched myself and it was video and with slight horror but very rich learning you know from facial expressions to tone to posture and none of that I would have known till that moment and that was quite late on in my coaching journey and you know to listen and to watch yourself and others is there so much gold though. That's why now um, quite a lot of people are coming from my supervision groups into what I would call a technical check-in, which is to say a couple of times a year, let's get together. It doesn't matter if you're going for accreditation or not, but let's just get together. Let's have a look at a video and let's talk together about the things that are going brilliantly and the things that you might develop to be even better. Because actually one of the things I think that does, and maybe this is another podcast that we need to record, is that really gives us a sense of, therefore, what's the development that I need to do over the next year? Yes. Yeah. So rather than that being an abstract, what do I fancy doing? It's kind of yeah. coming from yeah. the data. Yeah. Coming and from I, I wonder 
So at the moment, I'm the only one who's doing te- technical check-ins, but I wonder whether we should be offering them to people I think that's a at great... any stage. Yeah. Um, just a one-off kind of thing. And it's great to, to watch a recording on your own, but just a little caveat, listeners. When you're watching the recording, you don't need to watch yourself and get really self-conscious about the fact that you slightly raise your left eyebrow a little bit every time you say whatever you say. What you're watching is the passing, the conversation between from screen to screen. So record gallery view. Uh, really notice that there's a whole chapter in The Human Behind the Coach on how to watch recordings. That's not try, but it's not about professional accreditation. It's about some really simple, basic stuff that can transform the quality of our work. Brilliant. So maybe our next mentor I think we should do this again because I think it was fun. fun. A regular little learning. I love it. So I have some ideas of what we could do next time. But listeners, if you have a conversation, if you want to listen to the three of us having a conversation about something else, please put in the comments what you'd like us to hear us talking about. (laughs) We'll make a decision about whether we think we can do it. We want to. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds dangerous. Um, So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ruth and Zoe. Thank you. For coming. Thanks. Uh, if you want to contact any of us lovely people, info at 3dcoaching.com is our address that gets you into our world. And we'd love to have a conversation with you if you think there are things that we can do to support you to become even better at what you do. So you've been listening to The Coaching In. I'm Claire Pedrick, and I've been with Ruth Bennett and Zoe Dickinson. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching In, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching In, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.